0: This is Edwin Dale. Thank you for joining my podcast. This episode will be entitled, Knowing Our Lord God. And for the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on knowing God in a more intimate and deeper way. We will be looking at different names of God that are used in the Old Testament that tell us not only about God's character, but how God chooses to reveal himself to his children. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been adopted, and you are among his children. And God reveals himself through many different names. Although he has many different names, he is one God with many facets. In other words, he's multifaceted. I, like many of you, have an iPhone, and it's multifaceted. You can make calls. You can receive calls. You can text others. You can receive texts. You can send emails. You can receive them emails. You can even do calculations on it. There's just many things that you can do with your, te- your iPhone. And all of that is done in one little handheld apparatus. So, God, as we study His names, we will discover that the, He has many attributes and facets, and we will look at all the facets of our multifaceted Almighty God. For those looking to know about know more about their Christian faith, it's an excellent way to learn how God has, over time, shown us his majesty, his power, and his authority. Each different name of God reveals a different aspect of his character, his attributes, and his nature. The more we understand who God is, the more we will desire to walk with him in our journey. The more we trust God, the more we will seek him. When we have a need in our life, we seek help. We look for people that we can talk to and that we feel that we can trust. And we, we learn to trust God and go to him when we seek him. How, how do we learn that? We learn that because we're in his word and we're praying the more we know about almighty god the more we can understand his ways and how to be in his will as a believer we want to be in his will i can assure you i've been out of his will and i've been in his will and i can personally tell you that you are only uh, that you're only going to find peace as a believer when you're in his will. So it is to our advantage to know him better. So again, we can understand his will in our life. We know God better by studying how he reveals himself in his word and his old Testament names give understanding, not only to his children of Israel, as he was talking to them, but also to the church today. When you and I decide to place our trust in someone, we make sure that they're trustworthy. We do that in many ways, but we have to know a lot about someone before we're going to put total trust into it with them. We know what kind of attributes or we should know what kind of attributes those, person, piece, those people have. We must prove that we can walk with him or her in a trusting relationship, and that takes spending time and watching the actions of that particular person. An example in my own life, and I have many, but I'm going to give you a couple and I think will make the point that I'm trying to make. I've put my trust in a lot of people over the years, some coaches, teachers, counselors, and, of course, my wife. But when I had to have my first major surgery on my neck, I was hunting for an orthopedic surgeon that I knew had the trust of a lot of people. So consequently, I did a lot of looking, a lot of reading, a lot of research on a particular uh, doctor that I had heard about and talked to some people who'd had surgery. So you're just not going to let anybody cut your throat and go into the back of your neck and do work on it unless you trust them. So I went into this first surgery with somewhat dubious, but I had trust because I knew others had gone through the same thing. And it worked out fine. It worked out well enough that when I had the problem again several years later, I went back to him, and he fixed it then. So that's an example of how you trust someone that you have no knowledge of at first. And let me give you a personal example of someone who trusted me and why they trusted me. I had a good friend, and I say had because he died five years ago. He was 75 years old. He died the day after his birthday. He was a good friend for 61 years. We had grown up together. We had played high school football together. We had... Uh, just done many, many things over the years. Our family had been together. We'd been on vacation. We played a lot of golf together. We would meet at different places, and he and I would play golf. And we got so close over the years that in when we moved away from the town where he lived, he and I would talk sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And we did that for a number of years, 25 years. And one day I was in his town visiting him, and he was, he had been diagnosed with cancer and he had been fighting it for a number of years, but it had masticized into his lungs and he was having difficulty. He was having difficulty getting his breath and he was on oxygen. So we were out. We were going to Walmart actually, and he had his little oxygen tank with him, and he was having so much difficulty. We decided or I decided for him that we needed to go up to the hospital. He was reluctant at first, but realizing he was suffering and smothering. So we went to the hospital and they put him in the ER, and we sat there for a few hours and he did get better. Doctor looked at him and but we, he sat up in the bed after he could talk and breathe. And he said, I, I believe this is the beginning of the end. And we had a lot, of, a lot of discussion about the beginning of the end and the journey that he was going to be taken to heaven. So we smiled, we laughed about it. And he said, Edwin, I need to ask you a favor. I said, anything. So he said, I need you to take care of my wife's financial situation when I die. She's got some money and she's going to inherit a a pretty large life insurance policy. And she's not going to know what to do with it. And you know her well enough to know that she is risk averse. She's not going to take any chances. So I'm going to leave it up to you to take care of her and make sure that everything is put in the proper place. I said, I'll do it. And I will tell you to this day, I'm still doing it and will continue to do it as long as I'm alive. He trusted me. Why? Because he knew my attributes, good and bad. (laughs) He knew them all. But he knew enough about me to know that if I told him I would do something, I would do it. I tell you that to emphasize the fact that you are not going to follow God. And his ways, until you fully trust him. In the Old Testament times, a name uh, was not only just identification, but identity, identity as well. It identified who someone was. Many times, a special meaning was attached to that name. Throughout Scripture, God reveals Himself to us through names. When we study these names that he reveals to us in the Bible, we, we have a better understanding of the depth of who God really is. The meanings behind God's name and the names that he gives to us reveal the central personality and the nature of the one who bears them. Moses, who was the writer of Genesis, chose to start telling the book in uh, the Jews in in the book of Genesis, who he was writing to. And he didn't write this until they had come back out of Egypt. So he's telling them so they will understand God. And he uses the word in the beginning, God created. Well, in the Hebrew Bible, Elohim, Elohim, usually refers to the monotheistic creator God and to God of Israel, Yahweh. And so in this example, in, in the first in the Hebrew Bible, this Yahweh is referring to Genesis 1.1, where Elohim created the heavens and earth. Every name of God highlights one aspect of his character. And one of those, of course, is Elohim. Elohim is one of the most frequently used names in the Hebrew Bible used for God. And in in this word, which is used in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and earth. In fact, the word appears some 2,750 times in the Old Testament. So our first encounter, our first encounter with Almighty God is the power that he displayed displayed through the creation. So we likely have, at first, a tendency to relate everything back to Elohim, the creator of God. And that is what we see in the first two chapters of Genesis. And it's only after God further reveals himself that one will understand him to be Yahweh, Almighty God. And simply knowing that there is a higher power, such as what we would do as as far as we just knew him as a creator, an Elohim means that one has merely risen to the faith uh, that is rather elementary, or uh, or rather, shall we say, a single-faceted God is how we would view him. At that point, let me give you an example of what I believe will make make my point better. If you heard a man sing, let's say you were in an auditorium, you were in a show somewhere, and you heard a man sing The Impossible Dream. Now, I know you've probably heard that song, beautiful song, The Impossible Dream. And that man was introduced as Jim Neighbors. You would probably, every time you heard the name Jim Neighbors, you would relate to the song The Impossible Dream. Every time you heard The Impossible Dream, you would relate that to Jim Neighbors. That would be how you would identify. However, there's much more to Jim Neighbors than him singing The Impossible Dream. He was a graduate of the University of Alabama, and he went on to have several jobs. One was in Washington, D.C., as in working for the government, and then he, he, he had asthma, so he had to move. He moved to California, and doing some acting and singing in some smaller uh, clubs and places, he was, he was uh, discovered as a talented singer. And this brought him to a acting career, none other than Gomer Pyle. Jim Neighbors was Gomer Pyle in the, in the TV series Andy Griffith. And later had his own show. And how do I know all that? Because I went on Wikipedia and they had all these facts for me. And so I learned a little bit more about Jim Neighbors. It's only that when we move from that beginning knowledge of God as creator God, that we can begin to embrace God as one who is God Almighty. We move from the fact that we just know his name and relate to creation We then know, we learn that he is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, all-knowing, and he is omnipresent everywhere all at once. That is our almighty God that we learn about. How do I know these things? Because of studying God's word and praying and walking with him many years, he has revealed more about himself to me and I learn more every day. One name for God that I especially love is El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, the All-Sufficient One. That's what El Shaddai means. The Old Testament El Shaddai occurs seven times. El Shaddai is first used in Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram, who later becomes Abraham, as you might know him, was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. In this story, God is speaking to Moses through the burning bush and giving him the mission to end all missions, freeing the Israelite people from Egyptian captivity. Understandably, Moses has some concerns because the main one being, how is he going to convince his fellow Israelites that this really is a mission from and blessed by God? God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the God, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I will be remembered throughout all generations. I am, I am El Shaddai. I am almighty God, and that's how I am to be remembered. There's actually a depth here which no finite mind can fathom. I am who I am. Announce that Almighty God is self-existent. Beside who there is, nobody else. And without beginning, without ending, He is the Alpha and the Omega, from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. None but He can say, I am who I am, always the same, eternally changeless. My prayer is that as we go through this series of studies, the names of God, that you will get to know him as your Abba Father and learn to trust him and be willing to follow him wherever he leads. It does take trust. We gain that by walking with him and talking to him through his word, and through prayer. Question that I want you to ponder in the next few weeks. Do you know him simply as a mighty one or a higher power? Or can you say, my Lord and my God, my Abba Father? The old hymn that some of you are familiar with, some may not, is Trust and Obey it's a favorite of many and it gives us a formula for following god it starts in the first stanza it says when we walk with the lord in the light of his word and that is jesus that's the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way while we do his good will he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. May God grant you peace and joy as you go.